You're listening to episode 86 of the ESL Teaching Podcast. Last week, I was talking to my colleague who was so overwhelmed by all the questions and comments coming from the regular education teachers and frankly, the unwillingness of some to pause and take the situation in for what it was. We chatted a bit and calmed down, but a part of me was still dissatisfied. Sometimes EL teachers are spread so thin or work in isolation that all of our knowledge is impossible to share in an effective way with those who could really benefit from it. So I wanted to record a short episode that addresses the frustrations of teachers who have ELs in their classroom, answers some of the questions, and uh, shares the essential truths. Whether this is your first time having an English learner in your content classroom or you're more experienced, in this episode, I will share three essential truths that are valid anytime an English learner joins your classroom community. These truths are simple yet very powerful and will serve as your signpost whenever you feel unsure. I hope you find this episode useful. Let's get to it. Hello and welcome to the ESL Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Yeva Grossless, otherwise known as Simply Yeva, and I am so thankful that you tuned in. I'm looking forward to sharing both my knowledge and experience on this podcast, as well as that of my fellow teachers. Hello, hello, everyone. Being a teacher is intense. You have to meet the needs of all students, whether they're gifted, have special needs, are English learners, or simply someone who is just right down the middle. And while we all understand the requirements and the responsibility, as EL teachers, we frequently have a couple of questions that keep circling and circling and circling. The first one is, why is it that the phrase, oh, but there's another language spoken in the home, that it has become such a negative thing, an obstacle of sorts. Sometimes in conversations with our colleagues, this exact phrase comes up and I keep wondering how we can change the mindset around that. And the second one is, why is it that we think that we have to bombard the newcomer with all the things the same way as all the other students right away? No wonder then we shake our heads and think our ELs are behind when in reality, what we did was not even have given them a chance to show what they know. So I wanted to compile three very important tips or truths, if you will, that any classroom teacher can incorporate into their teaching today. So the first one, when you have a new EL student, connection over curriculum comes first. Being bilingual or multilingual is not a problem. Speaking another language at home is not a problem. Being quiet is not a problem either because there are certain stages of language acquisition and being quiet is one of them. I first came to America with six years of English as a foreign language under my belt. I had no clue what anybody was saying to me at school for the first month or two and I couldn't respond in a coherent academic way. My colleague's husband moved to the U.S. when he was 10 with zero English and was placed in the classroom with no support. Today, he has university degrees and is a successful businessman who communicates in English and his first language. 
The level of foreign language someone uses at home is not always available or even necessary for our scrutiny. Someone who has moved here from another country recently might be comfortably communicating and simply living in their native language. But someone like my children, for example, who were raised here, exposed to Lithuanian and no household, as I call it, Lithuanian, would be completely lost in a Lithuanian school. We both might put another language on the home language survey when we register the kids for school. It just the level is different. And all that means is that it helps the multilingual learner specialist in your school to follow the protocol of screening the students and identifying who qualifies and benefits from the EL program services. What we need to ask ourselves is these two things. First, I have a newcomer. How can I make them feel welcome and safe? That means that for a while they will not be doing the actual curriculum work. They will a little bit, but mostly if I provided the opportunity for them, they will be able to learn the classroom objects, student names, classroom routines, how to express their basic needs. And once they get that down and warm up a little bit, they might then be ready to grasp the vocabulary that you have carefully selected for them that is curriculum related. And the second one, I have someone who is able to communicate in English but still needs support. How can I make them feel welcome and safe? That means I might need to adapt the work or provide background information to the student about what we're doing and why, as well as to ensure I check in with them frequently asking meaningful questions like, what is one thing that you remember from today's lesson? Or which words stuck with you most from today? Making a connection with any multilingual learner will propel your teaching and their learning exponentially if, if they feel safe and welcome in your classroom. Truth number two is this. Know where your student is proficiency-wise. Not all EL learners are at the same level language-wise. It is very clear to see who is at the very beginning stages of language learning, yet it becomes progressively more difficult to distinguish in the higher proficiency students. In addition, language learning process is seen much more clearly and appears to be much more rapid during the first year, whereas when a student is considered an intermediate level, their progress is not as visible and we tend to think that quote-unquote, their English is fine and there's nothing that can be done for them. What we need to ask ourselves is this, do I even know if my English learner studied English before, how much they know, or whether this is their first encounter with our language? Let me check the student's EL proficiency level. If you are in a state that uses WIDA standards, you can ask your EL specialist to share with you the can-do descriptors, which tell you exactly that, what the students are able to do at their level, not what they're unable to do, which is glaring when you compare them to native English speakers, but what they're actually able to do at the level. Is it matching content area vocabulary with images, or is it writing a simple sentence using literary terms? This is the key to reaching English learners. Imagine yourself in a school in another country where you don't speak the language and the teachers are trying to cram information into your head that you have no clue what it means. I know, it would be terrible. The third truth is this. Take a look at the assessments you give. 
Assessments are the crowning point of your unit, and they should give you information whether your teaching was effective and whether the students actually received it the way you intended them to. Now, here is the caveat. For English learners, assessments have to match how they learned what they learned. If the class is long and wordy, and there are no scaffolds for English learners per their proficiency level, then you can give all the assessments you want, and they will not show you the accurate data. To learn more about scaffolds you can use to reach English learners in the classroom, check out two episodes, episode 63 about grading ELs and episode 64 about vocabulary pre-teaching, where I talk about strategic ways on how you can reach ELs in your specific content area. What we need to ask ourselves is this, what do my assessments look like? Do they involve long and wordy instructions? Is this something my students learn to work with? How can I simplify this to bring it to the student's language proficiency level? And here are some tools you can use. Instead of long statements, ask a series of questions. So I'll give you an example of a long statement, and then I'm going to show you how to break it down with questions. So here goes. When analyzing the results of the experiment, it is important to write about what happened with respect to the original hypothesis as well as the trends in the data. Now let's break it down with questions. Analyze the results of the experiment. What happened? How does it support the hypothesis? What do you see in the data collected? And that is assuming the students know the words analyze, data, hypothesis, collect, and so on. Instead of just words, include meaningful images. So think about the background knowledge your students might have or not have when choosing an image, as well as the cultural references, and match it to what you're teaching. That way, there is more guarantee that the student will grasp the, the concept that you are working on. Instead of writing, have students respond to you orally and demonstrate what they know. And utilize AI, such as ChatGPT, to generate questions and texts that would be appropriate for your student's level of language. And that way they can read this or they can engage with that material and you can then assess them on that. When you embrace this asset-based mindset of connection over curriculum first, when you take a step back and understand where your student is in their English learning journey, and when you review your assessments, you will get so much more clarity about how to serve this diverse population of students. Not to mention the fact that clarity also helps you as a teacher and a person see that you already are doing great things. I hope you found this episode useful. If you are an EL teacher, please share this with your colleagues, general education colleagues. I'm on a mission to reach as many teachers as possible and help them discover their own power in reaching multilingual learners in the classroom. And as always, I want to hear from you. What did you take away from this episode? What are your biggest questions when teaching ELs? Send me a message on Instagram and let's chat. Thank you for listening and until next time. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard today, be sure to do two things. First, make sure to subscribe to the ESL Teaching Podcast so you don't miss an episode. And second, leave a positive review wherever you listen. 
on iTunes, Spotify, or any other platform. Positive reviews will improve the chances of this podcast to be discovered in the feed and help our fellow ESL ELL teachers. And of course, there's a third thing. If you aren't following me on social media yet, come join me on Instagram at SimplyYevaESL, Facebook, SimplyYeva, or connect with me on my website, SimplyYeva.com. Thanks again, and until next time.